Well, this is Pastor Patrick Hines. I want to press on here in Romans chapter 2. Uh, after Paul indicts the Gentile nations of the world there in Romans 1, 18 and following, um, and points out that they suppress the truth and unrighteousness, and God has clearly revealed himself, and no one has an excuse, and because they did not want to know the one true God, God gives them over to a debased mind to dishonor their bodies, to commit every kind of perversion and sexual immorality, along with a lot of other sins that we normally would, would not see as being as bad, but they're, they are uh, every bit offensive to God, uh, backbiting, whispering, they're slanderers, haters of God, violent, proud, disobedient to parents, and so forth. And they not only do all of that stuff, but they approve of others that do the same things. They, they like company uh, on the broad and wide way that leads to destruction. So that's the end of Romans chapter 1, uh, where Paul says that. Uh, Romans chapter 2, generally people look at this, and I think rightly so, because verse 17 of uh, Romans chapter 2 points this out. Indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God, etc. Romans chapter 2 is generally thought of as uh, Paul's indictment against the Jewish people. Now, there would have been Jews and Gentiles in the church at Rome. And so you can almost hear the, the Jewish part of the congregation uh, listening to Romans chapter 1 and saying, yeah, Paul, get the Gentiles. They, they're dogs. They're bad. They're terrible. But here he's going to turn his attention to the Jewish people and point out, you guys aren't any better than them. Uh, in fact, everything they did, you guys did too. So it starts here in, in verse 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, another you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Now, this is not saying that we don't ever judge people uh, in general. We, we do that all day, every day. We, all, we have to judge one another. You judge if this person's a person of integrity or whether you should trust them or not. This is more so speaking of how a person is in their relationship to God. And those who think that they're better than others, so much so that God favors them or loves them or accepts them because they're better, um, anyone that's like that, uh, they're condemned by the very same standards that they use to condemn others, okay? Because, you see the very last part of verse 1 there, you who judge practice the same things, Okay, we can judge one another all, all we want, uh, and, and we, we have to do that. We have to make character assessments, and we should judge uh, one another in that way. But when it comes to being right with God, no one is right with God because they're better than anyone else. That's really the main point here. Verse 2, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? And what do we call that? Someone who condemns the people around them for certain things, but in their private life, they do them themselves. They're what? A hypocrite, right? And there's a sense in which really, ultimately, every Christian is kind of a hypocrite because the very standards and the very, the very uh, portions of the law of God that we, we denounce in others breaking those laws, we, we break them all ourselves. Now, maybe not in the same ways or to the same degree or with the same measure of heinousness, but if we think that we're right with God because we're better than people that, that do certain things, by doing that, we're just condemning ourselves because in our own ways, we all break those very same commandments. Okay, and he says there, do you think that you who judge those that practice such things and do the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? You think you're going to escape the judgment of God? 
That's a rhetorical question. Obviously, you're not going to. And then verse four, do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Okay, and repentance is the grieving over and hating of sin. It's, it's the recognition our, our works cannot save us. We, we are so sinful and vile and evil. We have a desire now to turn from our sin unto God. We'll never do it perfectly. But it's the goodness and patience and long-suffering of God that leads us to repentance. If we are judgmental towards people, we are despising the very goodness, forbearance, and patience of God that led us to repentance. If we condemn others to hell and think we're going to heaven because we're good, uh, we're despising the patience and, and forbearance and goodness of God. Okay, it goes on in verse 5, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, that's his unrepentant heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. And so if, per, if we use the law of God, if we think that by keeping it sufficiently, we're right with God and we condemn others that don't keep it as we do, all we're doing is just storing up more wrath for ourselves on the day of judgment in that way, because the law requires perfect righteousness from us. Now, it goes on here in verse 7 um, to speak about eternal life will be given to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Now, it's, it's sad, it's unfortunate, and completely unwarranted. This passage has been used by many to, to prove, see, we're saved by works because eternal life is given to those who by patient continuance in doing good see for glory, honor, and immortality. Now, that is a perfectly true statement, and it is a description of the people that go to heaven. It is not giving us the means by which they get there. Now, very often you'll hear people say, well, don't we have to love God to go to heaven? That it's, isn't it true that only those who love God and are not the slaves of sin go to heaven? And the answer to that is yes. But, dear ones, there is a vast difference, a, an eternity of difference between saying those that go to heaven love God and saying those that go to heaven get into heaven by loving God. You see the difference between those two things? One is descriptive, the other prescriptive. We are not saved by our works. We're not saved by doing good. We're not saved by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. That's not how we're saved. But that's a good description of those that go to heaven. Those that are changed radically by the Spirit of God, those who, in whom the Spirit of God is at work and God causes them to walk in his commandments, as it says in the old prophecies about the new covenant and the new heart and all that stuff. Is, is that a good description of them? Yeah, sure. And those that go to hell are those who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So there's a, there's a couple senses that are being spoken of here. The first one is, in the ultimate sense, the judgment of God is according to truth. If we condemn others and think that we're right with God by obeying the law, all we're doing is treasuring up wrath for ourselves. Okay, no one's ever been saved by keeping the law. It is impossible to, to be done. 
However, those that are genuinely converted and born again by God's spirit, they will walk in new obedience. Will they do it perfectly? No. Will they always have sin in their life? Yes. Will they always continue to fall short of the glory of God? Yes. But will they make those beginning steps of obedience? Will they begin to walk in God's commandments? Yes, they will. And so it's a perfectly good description. Jesus does this um, in other places. I've had people ask about this. Uh, and they get very uh, upset about this passage, but it, it really, the passage is a good passage. Jesus says in John 5, 28, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming, coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. People say, well, I don't, I don't think I've done enough good to be given the resurrection of life, or people will say, I don't think I've done enough evil to, to be given the resurrection of condemnation. These are descriptions. These are descriptions of the general life that is lived by those that know God. They, they are identified in Scripture as the righteous. Okay, It's not possible that someone can be a true Christian and be entirely unchanged. They will struggle with sin. They will still have sin in everything they do, no matter how sanctified they are in life. But it's a good description. Those that have done good will get the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil, the resurrection of condemnation. And that passage is not addressing the means by which a sinner is justified before God. It's just not addressing that. And it's a complete misuse of the passage to think that, that it is addressing that, because it simply is not. Okay, and he goes on there, really, verse 11, there is no partiality with God. Everyone is judged by the same standard, by God's law. And as Paul is going to go on to say in the book of Romans, no one can be justified. No one can get eternal life by keeping the law. So the point here is that the Jewish people had God's law, and they really thought that just by knowing it, that they were right with God by it. And as Paul's going to go on to say here, it's not the hearers of the law who are just or justified before God. It's the doers of the law. Who will be justified? And of course, he goes on to say, and throughout the rest of the book, there's nobody that does that. Nobody keeps God's commandments. No one has ever been saved by keeping them. It goes on in verse 12, for as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Okay, so the ones who have sinned without law, that would be Gentiles, they will also perish without law because the law of God is written on their heart, and they do know that certain things are wrong, and they do them anyway. Um, it says, it goes on there, um, and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. That's Jews. Okay, so that's saying um, they'll be judged, you'll be judged by God's law no matter what. Okay, and that's just all there is to it, because every human being has the law of God written on their hearts, as he's going to go on to say here in verse 14. For when Gentiles who don't have the law, that is the law of Moses, the written scripture of the Old Testament, by nature do the things in the law, like they know they shouldn't steal, they know they shouldn't murder people, they know that they shouldn't lie and scheme and, and do things like that. They know that because the law is in their hearts. These, although not having the law, are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. And so let's unpack that here real quick. Gentiles, they don't have the written law of God. They didn't have the 
law of Moses. They didn't have Genesis through uh, Deuteronomy or the Old Testament prophets, but they still knew that certain things were wrong. They knew they shouldn't commit adultery. They knew that certain uh, sexual sins were wrong. They knew that murdering people was wrong. They knew that stealing was wrong. Lying was wrong. They, they knew that. And so they didn't have the law, but they were a law to themselves. They show, verse 15, the law was written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. So think about that. God gave mankind a conscience. Okay, it's, it's not Jiminy Cricket from Pinocchio, but there's a sense in which we hesitate because it's wrong to do this or that. Now, some people work so hard that they sear their consciences so much that their consciences almost don't work at all. Like they just are completely seared and the conscience can't feel anything anymore. It's like a, a piece of dead skin on, on your flesh that's been burned so many times the nerve endings don't work anymore. But our conscience bears witness against us that we're doing wrong and that we're angering the God that we know created us, but, but we're suppressing that truth from ourselves. And it goes on in verse 15, and between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. And that's the way it is with the unbeliever. Their thoughts either accuse them and they feel guilty and they're like Herod and they, they hear, hear about Jesus. John the Baptist is back from the dead. He's going to come and get me. Your, your thoughts accuse you or your heart is so hardened, your thoughts excuse you. And you think, no, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay. This isn't wrong, this isn't wrong. No, 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 it's okay that I paid for an abortion. No, 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 it's okay that I had an abortion. No, 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 it's, it's all right that uh, I engage in promiscuous sex. So it's okay that I get drunk. It's okay I do drugs. It's okay that I cheat on my taxes. I mean, who doesn't do that? People's thoughts either accuse them and they know they're doing wrong, or their hearts are so hardened, their thoughts excuse them. I think our culture today has more of a problem with uh, a conscience that excuses, not, not accuses them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That was an important verse um, early on in my Christian life. I remember reading Romans again and again. I'm thinking, well, I was going to judge the secrets of men. Man, I need to be saved. I need the, the righteousness of someone else if I'm going to. If God knows my secrets, if he knows what I have successfully kept hidden from everyone around me, yeah, I'm in big trouble. If God can see through my thoughts and knows everything that goes to my mind, then I am in very serious trouble with him. Now, that's a good place to stop. Uh, verse 17 kind of picks up the really the more straightforward indictment of the, the Jewish people in the congregation there at Rome, just pointing out it doesn't matter if you're a Jew. Um, if you don't repent and trust in Christ, you're just as lost as every Gentile that never even heard of Moses. So I think that's a good place to stop. Thank you all for watching or for listening.